0: A Monday afternoon. Yes, indeed. We're all back at it, right? I have some very sad news I have to pass along. Uh, just posted a couple of moments ago. Uh, Olivia Newton-John has passed away. 73 years of age. Her uh, official social media page reporting that... Uh, just a couple of moments ago, and uh, for those of us of a certain age, remember her with John Travolta, right? The movie version of Greece, and you probably owned an Olivia Newton-John 45 or album or a couple of them. So sad, uh, sad thing. But uh, the report was it was very peaceful and surrounded by family and friends. And uh, so there you have it. All right, Olivia Newton-John, 23, uh, 23, 73 years of age. Uh, passed away. All right, a couple of things that you and I are going to be dealing with. Tomorrow afternoon, our good friend, uh, former Virginia Governor Doug Wilder, is going to be here. We're just going to get his take on all of the nonsense we are seeing right now with uh, Richmond's mayor and chief of police. Chief of police today shutting down any discussion, any conversation, any questioning, Of what, um, just a couple of weeks ago, was the number one issue for the chief and the mayor. That they had somehow broken up this effort to commit a mass murder at Dogwood Dell. And that started falling apart almost immediately. And uh, now the chief says, hey, that's it, I'm not even talking about it anymore. So we'll get uh, Governor Wilder's perspective tomorrow afternoon at 3.35. So I need to know exactly who's pulling the strings I look at Joe Biden, and I've said this before. I just, I just don't think there's much there. He's never been uh, a nice guy, despite the, the, the common description of him. Oh, he's just Uncle Joe, and he says these weird things. But he's really a nice guy. He's never not. He's not a nice guy, and he's never been a nice guy. And it's pretty clear that uh, his son, Hunter, the dumbest of all the Bidens, somehow figured out a way to make a boatload of money trading on that name. Now the question is, who's behind the scenes? pulling the strings. Tristan Justice, a fine writer with The Federalist, has really, really, really taken a uh, major deep dive on this. If you've not seen the uh, article, uh, I do have it posted on all the social media channels. We'll get it out there again. It's, It's a pretty quick read, but I got news for you. It's a good one, and I'm happy to say Tristan is with us. Tristan, thanks for making some time to be here.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Your article number 1 well written well researched but I got to tell you dude this is this is some terrifying stuff you've uncovered
1: Well well I just did the reporting so uh, there's a new report that came out from this government transparency group called Inside Biden's Basement and they uh, came out with a report detailing the connections of 13 uh, high level administration officials who were previously registered as foreign agents under the foreign uh, under the foreign Foreign Agents Registration Act, and that is um, a law that requires anyone who's doing any type of government lobbying on behalf of a foreign entity or serving a foreign client, they must register with the Department of Justice. And so, and uh, so, this uh, report came out detailing these 13 administration officials, and of course, I, I uh, cross, cross-examined the uh, the data and confirmed that these individuals were, in fact. Um, uh, uh, registered with these entities, and I found uh, these officials were working on behalf of, of other governments prior to joining the administration. And that includes uh, the Attorney General Merrick Garland and uh, Anita Dunn, who's a senior advisor to President Biden.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and do you get a sense, I mean, I'm looking at some of the countries, and I'd ask you to, uh, to talk about some of the countries that they were representing. Do you get a sense that that prior service is really guiding the decisions that are being made?
1: well potentially but i think an important point here is that president biden is, is of any president we've had in the re- recent decades as president's probably being led by his advisors more uh, more more than others considering how uh, he, he constantly stumbles he can't even speak well uh, so considering that we have an administration that's governing as radically as it is i mean they're they're pushing through this inflation reduction act which is another <laughs> trillions of dollars in spending um and, and so it's important to look at the people who's who's Surrounding the president and advising, advising the president. And these are the people who are really pulling the strings and really running the government. And so, uh, looking at who they've represented previously and how that, may, that might uh, conflict here as this administration continues to make decisions for the American people, that's important to know.
0: So I'm, I'm looking at uh, a couple of the uh, the interests that had been represented. One of them was Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan seems to be well represented uh, now in the uh, in the Biden administration. Uh, should we be especially worried about that? Would Kazakhstan be you know sending us Christmas cards come December?
1: I think there's, legit, there's, there's legitimate cause for concern. Now, the, the, the fair filings are pretty ambiguous as to what exactly they were doing, why they were doing it. They really just had to disclose uh, who they were working for and just different expenses that they had and, and, and different compensation numbers. Um, but there was some interesting data on here. Uh, looking at Kazakhstan in particular, we have uh, White House Deputy Counsel Jonathan Suh's law firm paid uh, $30,000 a month out to a a public affairs firm on behalf of of Kazakhstan just six years ago. Um, And that same public affairs firm uh, was employing, who is now a special assistant to President Biden named Erin Pelton. And she was employed with a public affairs firm called Mercury uh, the same year, and, and she was working on behalf of both both Kazakhstan and and Qatar. And so, you know, these Middle Eastern nations (laughs) don't have the best reputation when it comes to corruption practices. I mean, I think we're getting uh, even Eastern Europe especially, where I think we're getting a rude awakening about that, considering uh, looking at Ukraine now, uh, after we (laughs) doled out billions and billions of dollars in weapons and supplies, and now no no one really seems to know where any of that's going. Um, So it's important to especially highlight, especially these parts of the world, where um, nations that are notoriously corrupt and and how they've been... um, Uh, involved in American politics.
0: You know, it's interesting, Tristan, I see a number like that, $30,000 a month, and I'm thinking... That's not a bad gig, right? I mean, $30,000 a month, and it's Kazakhstan, so it might very well have come in in small unmarked bills and left in a satchel at the bus station, for all we know. Uh, is, there, is there a time frame? Let's say that you today are representing Kazakhstan, and then all of a sudden Joe Biden says, hey, I want you to come work in the White House. Is there like a cooling-off period? Do you have to sit on the sidelines for a year or what have you before you can go into government service?
1: I'm actually not sure if there's a cooling off period from from any type of lobbying and then going into administration. I know there's a cooling period for I think generals have to wait a certain amount of time or military people before they can go into government service. But uh, you know, I'm not sure if there's a foreign lobbying agreement. Maybe there should be. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, but it certainly raises questions about um, different interests that are involved in the White House. And of course, we know President Biden's son uh, was <laughs> engaged in all sorts of overseas business ventures, leveraging the family name left and right, and even. Uh, so, and of course, that's been well reported. So, it, it raises intriguing questions about this administration for sure. And, and, and let's not forget um, of, of uh, the, the press hyperventilating <laughs> over yes. uh, Michael Flynn being <laughs> registering under Farah when this administration no. Doubt it Has dozens and dozens of officials, I'm sure, that are uh, registered under FERA. These are just this is just the tip of the tip of the iceberg detailing 13.
0: Hey, uh, Tristan, let me ask you about some of the other stuff you're covering because I, I got to tell you, I think uh, number one, I love the Federalist and, and that's where uh, I think I've been reading you uh, most frequently these days. but am I correct that uh, the Washington Examiner or the Daily Signal, also places where I've seen your work? Uh, what else is sort of on your radar because uh, this is only going to keep you occupied for a couple of moments? I know you got other stuff going. <laughs>
1: Well, certainly a broad range, there's certainly a broad range of topics to cover in this environment. So as the Western correspondent based in Denver, I do a lot of, of land and energy issues and reporting where I can. And of course, uh, inherent Western correspondent includes all these Western races from Alaska to Wyoming, especially. So the January 6th committee and its proceedings have definitely been uh, the primary focus throughout the summer. And of course, we have a Wyoming primary next week where Liz Cheney will ultimately face voters at the ballot box. And then another primary up in Alaska where. Senator Murkowski uh, might finally uh, – <laughs> uh, Trump primary challenger – might finally dethrone uh, Lisa Murkowski after she's been in the Senate for 20 years. And so a lot of campaigns, a lot of energy reporting, and uh, just broad conservative report- reporting.
0: Can I ask you – it's unfair, I know, because you're not prepped, but what the heck, you seem like you're a pro-Tristan. So in that <laughs> Alaska primary, it's not just the Senate race, right? We've got Sarah Palin, who'd like to be the member of Congress, and they've got this – unless I misunderstand it, it's like this wide open everybody into the pool sort of a primary. Is she going to wind up, you think, winning that?
1: So Sarah Palin did advance after the first primary round, and so she's definitely a contender to take the house seat. And it's interesting that she's running in a race where uh, running in a year where drill baby drill is going to be mm-hmm. a popular campaign slogan. So but it's interesting, the Alaska Senate race will be next week. Murkowski lost a Senate primary before. She lost in 2010, yeah. and she won a write-in campaign for U.S. Senate seat. Now, I did a podcast with Kelly Chewbacca, who's the uh, Trump endorsed primary challenger in the, this race. I said, look— Murkowski's lost the primary before. She ran a writing campaign. Are you prepared to to, to run that type of campaign going into November? And she said, absolutely. Well, I'm probably going to have to, considering that it's a ranked-choice voting state. So the procedures have this changed. So I don't think we're going to settle the Alaska question on on next Tuesday. But uh, I do think this could could be the year that uh, sends Murkowski back to Alaska for good.
0: Wow. All right. Well, listen, I want to get you back, if you don't mind. Talk about that and some other stuff, if you're willing to.
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Happy to come on.
0: All right. Thank you, man. That is Tristan Justice. He is the Western correspondent for The Federalist. So he's got this thing about the uh, the foreign influence inside the Biden White House. We've got an idea now. Some of the people that are really pulling the strings on our uh, presidential meat puppet. Because, you know, I mean, you just know you look at Biden, it's like, damn, who has the duty today? Somebody today has to be walking around with a mirror to hold under this guy's nose just to make sure he's still you know, coming down for breakfast and uh he's not making decisions is he the inflation reduction act isn't that what they call this garbage that came out over the weekend by the way tiny tim kane mark warner both voted for this let me explain to you what they did I'll, i'll do it in detail in a moment they both voted to increase your taxes Abigail Spamberger, Elaine Laurier, they are poised to increase taxes. You and I took a nine point one percent pay cut last year, and these boneheads are increasing taxes and they're doubling the size of the IRS. Go ahead. Tell me again who's fighting for you, who's on the real side of the people. It's three hundred forty five. Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRBA